0: All right, so we are starting Family Month this month. It's actually, today we start Family Month. And you know what's really cool is, JB pretty much just kind of just briefly went over it, but on a Friday night, we had a, a bonfire. And I really want to thank uh, James and Andrea Berry and their family for this. Yes, because... Uh, they actually put it all together for us. They, uh, they uh, re- uh, went hours before, uh, found the place, found the location, talked to the city, worked that out. Um, there was a fee to that. They put the fee up uh, on, the, on their own. Uh, they did all of this stuff. Why? Because they understand the importance of connecting with each other. They get it. They understand it. And so they said, as a family, we're going to do this for our church family. In fact, uh, we're going to have a movie night later on that they're going to also be a part of. And I would encourage you to support these things because it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. But it's being done because we want to make sure that you are connected to somebody, that you know somebody. At the end of the day, we could come up with whatever slogan or marketing term or whatever. But at the end of the day, here's what it's all about. Getting to know other people in our church family. We don't want you to be on your own. Now, we're going to start off family month with that very thing, and we're going to start from the very basic. Now, at the very basic core of all of us, we have a desire to be connected. We just do. Even those of you that are here and going, I don't really care what people think of me. I don't, I'll say whatever I want, do whatever I want, act however I want, and I can care less if you like it or not. If you don't like it, too bad. I don't care what people think of me. Now, you could say that, but that just isn't true because you all got ready this morning you all put on clothes thank you you all combed your hair you brushed your teeth you took showers you actually got ready you didn't just wake up and put a trash bag on and then walk in you took time to get ready why because at the end of the day we all have a desire to be accepted and connected and liked now uh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the show The Office. Any Office fans in here? Okay. It's hilarious. The Office makes fun of things that we see in everyday life, but it calls attention to things we see in everyday life. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background about this. Now, you got Jim, who's kind of the cool guy in The Office, and uh, he's trying to get Pam's uh, attention. And, and then you got Michael, who's the boss, and he wants Jim to think he's cool. So he's trying to get all these people trying to get attention from somebody else. And they go about it in the most extreme ways. And and now I know this is an extreme example, uh, but it just makes me laugh every time I see it because it's a perfect point to what I'm trying to say. Uh, But uh, check out this clip. I was like, can I show this at church? It's South Hills. Yeah, let's show it. So uh, check this out. Here's what's going to happen. I am going to have to fix you, manage you to, on a more personal scale, a, a more micro form of management. Jim, what is that called? Micro-Gyman? Boom, yes. Now, Jim is going to be the client. Dwight, you're going to have to sell to him without being aggressive, hostile, or difficult. Let's go. All right, fine. <clears throat> ring, ring. Hello? Hello, this is Dwight Schrute from the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Well, that's great, because I need paper. Excellent, then you are in luck, because we are having a limited time offer only on everything. Wow, this is my lucky day. Ask him his name. What is your name, sir? I am Bill Buttlicker. Really, that's your real name? How dare you? My family built this country, by the way. Be respectful, Dwight, please. Uh, uh, Yes, Michael. Could you hold on one second? That's my other line. What? No, but I... Hello? Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just on the phone with this stupid salesman. He's so dumb. Probably just gonna keep him on the line forever and not buy anything. <laughs> no, okay, it's up to you to change his mind. Sorry, that was a family emergency. Oh no, what's wrong? You know what, that's private. I'm Boundaries Dwight, come I'm on. S- I'm sorry Mr. Butler, as I was saying. <sighs> We are having, just having a to limited. Speak up t- a little bit louder. I'm hard of hearing. He's hard if He's an old man. Okay. So. As I was saying, right now yeah, we are you gotta having. Talk louder. Okay. Our prices have never been lower. Son, you have Certainly. to talk louder. Never been lower. Louder, uh, son. Butlecker. our prices have never been lower. Stop. Stop Heat. That is totally inappropriate. You never yell at the client. You now never. Now you listen yell at the to me, client. sir. Here we go. The three words I would describe you as is aggressive, yes. hostile, and definitely difficult. Please, Mr. Butler. I'm irate right now. Give me the Please phone. give me another chance. Give me the phone. Mr. Buttlicker. Give me the phone. I have to put you on with my boss. Well, I should hope so. Who is this? Hello, this is Michael Scott, regional manager. Well, this is William M. Butlicker. Hello, Mr. Buttlicker. How may we help you? Michael, I like the sound of your voice. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy $1 million worth of paper products today. <laughs> See how it's done? <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. I don't think you'll regret it. You, know what I did? <laughs> you are the master. There is one condition, Michael. Yes, you have to fire the salesman that treated me so terribly. Don't do it, Michael. It's a million-dollar sale. That—that <laughs> that is an extreme example, but the bottom line, and that proves my point so well. We are always trying. Uh, to connect with somebody, and we will sometimes do whatever it takes, even if it makes us look bad or sound bad. Why? Because at the end of the day, we all have three core emotional needs that we want met. All of us do. All of us do. And they are to be liked, to be included, and to be in control of our own story, basically. I want to be liked. I want people to like me. I want to be included. I want to know what you're talking about. I want to know what's so funny over there. What's that about? And I want to be in control. My own story. I want, to, I want to be able to do that. So how do we go about getting these met? We don't usually outright ask. What do we do? We bid. We bid. Now what you're saying, well, what is bid? What does that mean? This is very important because this is actually what our message is going to be about today. We bid. A bid is a request for connection. A bid is a request for connection. And we all do this. And we all do it in different ways. And this looks like it looks different from person to person. And that's really what makes it so hard to decode because we all bid in different ways. It could be verbal or nonverbal, physical or intellectual, sexual or nonsexual, high or low energy, funny or dead serious. It could be a question, a comment, a gesture, a look, a touch. Really, any attempt to say, I want to feel connected to you. And now, most bids happen in such a mundane way that we don't see them for what they are unless we're really looking. And a lot of us are so busy or overstretched and so involved in our own lives and goals and problems that we miss what the people around us are looking for. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a bad habit of this. Uh, Have you ever, do you ever notice that when people say hi or whatever, they'll actually say, how's it going? Like as it is a replacement for hi. So I do this, I go, hey, how's it going? And I'll keep walking. Like I don't stop to find out how it's going. I go, hey, how you doing? And I'll just kind of keep walking. Now, that's basically saying, I don't really, I'm not interested in how you're doing. I just said that because that's something that you're supposed to say is like a high, but I don't actually stop to see how actually are you doing? And a lot of us are like that. We're so busy, we're like, hey, how's it going? And we just keep walking. But have you, I noticed this about me, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to actually stop, and I wanna just say, how are you doing? So, uh, where I take the girls to school, I, I see a lot of our neighbors and people that I know, And so I go, I'm going to really stop this time. So I see this guy, I see him all the time. He's always walking his kids to school. And I just stopped and I'm like, hey, how are you? And I just looked at him. And he goes, right now, honestly, work sucks. It's hard. I'm having a hard time. And we literally just talked for about 10 minutes. Just about life and what's going on. Real life, real stuff. And I was so stoked to have that moment with him. And it was honestly somebody that I see every day that I go, how's it going? But I actually stopped for the first time to see, actually, how are you doing? Renowned relational researcher John Gottman discovered that how close we feel to someone directly correlates to how they respond to our bids for connection over time. So how how close we are uh, to someone uh, directly correlates to how they respond to our bids. So let me give you an example. We respond to bids for connection in three different ways. Okay, there's three different ways that you respond to somebody's bid for connection. We respond positively, okay, which is when we act engaged, attentive, responsive, interested, enthusiastic. This is, I don't, you don't have time to write it all down, but if you want to take pictures of this, it's fine. So when we act engaged, attentive, responsive, interested, and enthusiastic, what they hear is, I hear you. I'm interested in you. I want to understand you. I'm on your side. I want to be with you. I want to help you. I love you even when I don't like everything you're doing. So that's what they hear when you act that way. Now, negatively, when we act negatively, it's we act defensive, argumentative, critical, angry, or controlling. And what they're hearing is, you're annoying and in the way. I don't respect you. I don't value you. I don't need you. This relationship is disposable. I don't care if you're hurt. Go away. And then you could also act indifferently. When we act distant, distracted, uninterested, and silent ignoring, they hear I'm avoiding you. Your interests are beneath me. Everything is more important than you. You are not worth my time. I don't want you. I don't want you involved. I don't care about you. Now you might assume that that negative one's pretty pretty bad. You think, wow, that's got to be the worst, negatively. But actually, research shows that indifference is the toughest one. Indifference is the hardest one. Let me give you an example of this. Um, as you, a lot of you know, my, when I was uh, 13, my parents got divorced. And I would hear them fighting from my bedroom. I'd hear them yelling and upset with each other and disagreeing a lot. And it was hard for me to hear that. It was really hard for me to hear that. I mean, you know, it's hard for th- Oddly enough, I knew their marriage was over when the yelling stopped. He was sleeping on the couch. She was sleeping in the room. And they weren't talking to each other. And they would say, can you tell your mother, dot, 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 dot? Can you tell your father, dot, 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 dot? I knew it was over then. They were indifferent. I'm done now. I'm not even going to try to talk about this. Humans can't stand and ultimately can't survive being ignored. And it hurts to, to say that out loud, but most of us get so busy in our own stuff that we stop paying attention to even the people closest to us. I experienced this actually about a week ago. Um, the Piper goes, Daddy, can you play with me? And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm getting knee deep in work. I mean, when I prepare for a message, it takes a lot of research and time and I've got all my stuff like laid out. And I was like, I'd love to play with you right now, Piper, but Daddy's really, really into, into what I'm doing right now. Can you play with Phoebe? And she goes, okay. And I thought it was fine, and all of a sudden I hear Phoebe and her yelling at each other. So I go over and I'm like, you know, what's going on? And Phoebe's like, Piper's being mean. I'm like, Piper, is that true? And she goes, Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, I gotta, you know, points for honesty, that's cool. But I was like, can you stop? And she goes, oh, Piper's doing it again. Piper, is that true? She says, Yes. I'm like, Piper, you need to stop that. I need to put you in timeout, okay? You just gotta timeout. She goes, she goes, okay, fine. So she sits in timeout and she's really sad. She has her head down. And all of a sudden I hear like little footsteps going up the stairs again and then arguing again. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I go up and now I'm raising my voice. I'm like, Piper, what are you doing? And she's like kind of smiling. I'm like, is this funny? I'm like, you're getting in trouble. Is this funny? She goes, no, I just wanted to play with you. What I realized was I can't be ignored right now. I would rather you uh, raise your voice to me because at least you're paying attention to me. So I said, okay, Pipes, here's what we're going to do. i got a lot of work to do. What do you want to play? She said, Sleeping Queens. Okay, can we play one game of Sleeping Queens, and then will you go back to uh, being a good girl? She's like, yes. And then Phoebe's like, I want to play too. So we all played it, and it was fine. And then she was fine after. But what she really wanted was to be uh, for me to pay attention to her. She could not be ignored. She would rather get in trouble, because at least it meant I was paying attention to her. Again, our, bill, our bid is, is to always feel connected to someone and we go about it in a variety of different ways and it's honestly, it's always worked this way. And we're gonna read from Esther and a lot of you may not know who Esther is. We're actually not even gonna talk about Esther in this passage uh, because this is actually before Esther becomes the queen. I'm gonna give you a little bit of context because you may not know who, uh, who Esther was, but Esther was a queen and uh, her king, is, uh, her husband was King Ahasuerus. Now, Ahasuerus was a Persian king, and he had the largest territory at the time. He's also known as Xerxes, but uh, he's King Ahasuerus, uh, and he's got this big, huge territory, and it's, Bible's basically, it's saying that, that he chose Esther. She was Jewish, but he chose her. She was beautiful, and he chose her to be the queen. But before Esther was queen, uh, es- uh, King Ahasuerus already had a queen, and her name was Vashti. So what would happen to Vashti? How did Esther get there? What happened to Vashti? Well, I'm glad you asked, class, because we're going to talk about that. We're going to pick it up in, uh, in Esther 1, through verse 3. And he's talking about King Ahasuerus. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes, and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days, and they enclosed garden of King's Palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the in the citadel of Susa. So that means for 180 days, he's basically showing off all of this stuff to everybody. And then for seven days they party hard. A banquet's basically them just going, going for it, right? So it's drinking and eating and dancing and just a huge celebration. Pick it up in Esther 1:9 then Queen Vashti also gives a banquet for the women in the royal palace of the king Xerxes, which is also Ahasuerus. But then, now the king, he decides to take it to another level. Gets all of his chamberlains together, and in verse 11 says this, Bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. What does that mean? That means he wants to show off his wife to his buddies. So, Imagine, guys, you have a Super Bowl party and you want to show everybody your big screen. You want to show everybody your man cave. And then at the end of the the day, you go, oh, check out how great looking my wife is. Honey, come on out and do a little twirl for the guys. Obviously, she's going to be a little offended. I get it. He's being a jerk. He's being a jerk. But here's the deal. Why is he doing that? The queen doesn't necessarily look to why exactly. She looks at how jerky he's being. But at the end of the day, think about this for a second. King Ahasuerus has the biggest kingdom in the world. But for 180 days, he has to show off. And then for seven days, he has to give a banquet. And then for another edition, he has to say, look how hot my wife is. What does that all mean? That means pay attention to me. You like me, right? I'm doing good, right? You accept me, right? This is a guy that had everything but was still like, you like me, right? I'm doing good. In verse 12, so goes on to say this, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. In other words, she's being indifferent. What is indifference? I'm avoiding you. Your interests are beneath me. Everything is more important than you. You are not worth my time. I don't want to be involved with you, and I don't care about you. Again, I get it. It's a bad scene. He is being a jerk. Research, research shows you can respond positively, and the answer still be no. Have you ever asked somebody, hey, you want to go to the movies? You want to hang out? And they go, no, I've been working, or I've got a lot to do. And you're like, okay, I get it. But when they don't respond, it bothers you? You could handle no. I'm busy. I got some stuff to do. But you can't handle no response. It hurts. It become, then you, become, uh, you, you end up getting angry or frustrated. They can handle, no, they just can't handle the silence. So her response to his bid angers him, and what makes matters worse, he's drunk, so let's see how this turns out. First, Esther 13, since it was customary for the king to consult experts in the matter of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times, meaning his buddies, okay? Verse 15, 115 says this, uh, his buddies say this, according to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asks this is the king, she has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken, have taken to her. So, basically what happens is his buddies get together and they say, let's meet her indifference with your indifference and let's get rid of her. Let's just banish her. Let's not work on it. Let's not apologize. Let's not communicate. Let's not see if there's more to the story. Definitely don't take accountability for your part in what happened. Instead, blame her in, entirely and punish her eternally. And this has implications for the entire kingdom. Why? Why does this have implications for the entire kingdom? Because there are always communal consequences to relationships breaking apart. Always. Dysfunction between two people always affects more than just the two people. Do we have any kids from a divorced family that would like to give a testimony to this? Now I get it. I, some of you in this room have gone through a divorce and you should not be shamed or judged or anything about that because it is a painful process. It hurts bad. The last thing you need is to come to church and feel bad about it. I'm telling you, this is my story. This is for me. And um, when my parents got divorced, that affected our entire family. It has repreca- still has uh, repercussions to this day. That was 30 years ago. Things have really uh, taken their toll. It's tough. So why does King Ahasuerus bid in such a dysfunctional way? Growing up is the process of trying to figure out what you need to do or who you need to be in order to get your needs met. We try different things. We experiment. If something works for us, we lean into it. If it doesn't, we abandon it. And over time, these become our patterns. You ever ask yourself, why is this person doing this? Chances are it's an attempt to be liked, included, or in control. Have you ever had a bad boss? Maybe you have a bad boss right now. Um, And they want to tell you what to do all the time, and they want to say, no, do it this way, no, do it this way, no, do it this way. Ironically enough, it's their way of bidding, of connecting. I know it sounds weird, but it's their way of bidding to connect in some way to, to show you that they're in control, or whatever that case may be. So the next time your boss is being a jerk, just go up to him or her and say, I get it, it's your ch- is this is your, your attempt to connect with me? How about a hug? If you get fired, don't blame me, but you could try it. I don't know. It might work. Now, sometimes we develop dysfunctional behavior to survive in dysfunctional environments. I've counseled for about 15 years. I've counseled couples and people. And I'm going to read this one again because it's really important. Sometimes we develop dysfunctional behavior, behavior to survive in dysfunctional environments. What I've noticed when I counsel people is when we grow up, if our dad yelled, we're going to yell. Because we had to in that home to survive. It was a dysfunctional environment, so we had to do that in order to survive the environment. But we were never taught to how to change that up. If our, if our mom yelled or if our mom lost her temper or, if our, or, or, or whatever, or however thinking were, or if they judged us or whatever the case may have been, we grow up thinking this is how I have to survive in this dysfunctional environment. And so then when you grow up, you end up doing some of these traits, not knowing that you're doing it because that's how you connect. The, the, those are the examples you had, so that's how you connect. The, other, the opposite, it doesn't have to be yelling, it could be indifference. My dad left, he'll take off. That's how I survived is to shut my feelings off. So therefore, when I get stressed out or when I don't like something, I'm gonna shut my feelings off. I had to, that's how I could survive. I didn't know how else to survive. I had to learn how to shut off my feelings. And we grow up thinking this is what we do. At the end of the day, we're just trying to connect. We're just trying to, to connect with others. You're going to have to learn to bid and respond to bids differently for the sake of healthy relationships. Now, here's the good news. Connecting is not magic, it's a skill. It could be learned, practiced, and mastered. Despite your past or your personality, you are not doomed. No one has the excuse, well, well, that's just me. I, I'm a yeller, and that's just me. If you don't like it, tough. No, no, no. I learned that's how you learned to, to survive, but no, no. no. Don't yell at me. <laughs> um, other people can go, well, I don't really care. I'm just going to leave and, and I don't care. No, we're going to fight for this relationship. I understand that that's what you had to do to survive that dysfunction, but no, no, we're going we're to learn how to do some things differently. You can. You can learn these things. Connecting is also not automatic. It requires conscious effort and diligence. Now, when in doubt, when in doubt remember this verse. Whenever you're in doubt, James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You do that and you will see your relationships be healthy. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Think about it with your boss or your spouse or your friends or your relatives. Guys, I have someone in my family that's, that's in my family that I have not talked to in years. Years. And if you want to tell me for what it's worth, it, it's not worth it. If we could have healthy relationships, we could have. Listen, Slow to speak, slow to become angry. What the rela- healthy relationships, we could have. Make it your goal to pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, all of us are going through life right now, guys, and I know that we're at church, and I love being at church. It's, I look forward to this all week long. But there's a reason why I keep saying you got to get connected, you got to get into a group, or you got to come to one of these things, or you got to show up to church, or you got to be here. Uh, it's not like a quota thing, guys, for me. It's just I understand the importance and the value of being connected, of something that's real. I get it. I know it. Um, I saw a commercial the other day, and it hit me really hard, and I don't know, like, I'm like, maybe it's just I'm getting older and I'm getting more emotional. I don't know. But I saw this commercial, and I kept getting emotional, and I couldn't understand why. And... Let me show you the commercial so you can see what I'm talking about. Our tradition for my football team is we dress up, shirt and tie. I had a tie, but I didn't know how to tie it. Usually I would have my dad help me, but he was deployed. I'm thinking, don't worry about it, my grandma should know. He says, can you tie a tie? And I'm like, no, but we're on our way to Chick-fil-A. I recognize them because they came into our store so much. Miss Bertha and Mr. Terrence, I'm like, of course, I'll help them out and show them how to tie a tie. It wasn't just the tie, it's what was in your heart. It's my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Doing good, man. You got it. It wasn't just the tie, it was what's in his heart. So I started thinking, why is this commercial getting to me? And it caused me to look into a room that I closed for a long time. And a door that I shut for a long time. And I'm willing to bet some of you have done that too. Maybe you've got a memory or a past hurt or a pain and you don't want to think about it, and you don't want to remember it, and you want to put a smile on your face, and you want to come to church, and you want to say, hey, everything's great, God is good. Yes, I get it, God is good. But what's really going on? When I remembered, um, when I really dug deep, I just closed my eyes, and I laid down, and it brought up a memory that I had forgotten about for years. Now, as I mentioned before, when folks get divorced, I'm 13, I'm confused, it's a weird age. Um, my mom starts to do really well in her business. She starts to be really successful. My dad was gone. I didn't really know where he was, but my mom was very successful and had money and was able to buy me whatever I wanted, and she did. The catch was I couldn't see her because she was always busy. She was always gone. So I basically trained myself to not care about that to just say, well, this is just what it is, and I've got whatever I want anyway, and I've got no rules really. I can kind of do what I want to do, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this my thing. But secretly, I was actually jealous of the kids that had to be home for dinner. I wanted to be home for dinner. I was kind of jealous the, of the kids that go, I can't hang out, my dad wants me to work on this thing with him. I kind of wanted to do that. Even kids were like, i got to do yard stuff with my dad, I can't hang out today. I wanted to do that. That sounds pretty cool. Some of you are like, "Well, you could have my job." No, thanks. So. But I was like, "This is pretty cool," because they're hanging out with their dads, as underneath the yard work, or hanging out, or doing whatever. It's that bid for connectivity that I didn't have. But I try to act like I didn't care. You have to do that. I've got no rules. This is awesome. You have to do. You have to clean your house. I got a maid. This is awesome. I've got it made. I could do whatever I want. And so when I, uh, was, I was a junior, and I got asked to the senior prom, hey-o, I was a junior, got asked to the senior prom, I don't want to br- I I get asked to the senior prom, that's the senior prom, so anyways, so anyways, I, I get asked to the senior prom, this girl is really sweet, she asks me, she says, um, you know, hey, you know, you want to go? And I was like, great. Uh, and... Um, And so I told my parents and they got me the nicest limo and everything was great. And I went and I got my tux and my buddy's like, well, I'm going to go with my dad to do it. And I'm like, okay, that's lame. I'm going to do my own thing, get my own tux. And so I did that and I put the tux out on the bed and I was like, okay, here I go. Now you got to remember, I'm getting ready for prom by myself. Okay. So the limo guy comes up and it's just me and the limo guy. Uh, there was no pictures of getting in the prom or putting on corsages at my house. That didn't happen. I was getting ready by myself. But when I pulled out the, the, the stuff, I noticed there was a bag of these little button thingies. And I'm like, what the heck is this for? And so I was kind of trying to figure, and I couldn't really get it. And at that moment, I threw them across the room, and I just started punching my bed as hard as I could. Because I thought my dad should show me how to do this. And he's not here. This isn't right. I'm going to act like it doesn't bother me and shut off that emotion. I'm just going to do that. So I got ready, and I'm like, I might need these things. I don't know. I put it in my pocket, and I go to prom. So we get to my date's house, and her parents take pictures and do all that stuff. And I get to the prom, and I see everybody hanging out, and they're all doing stuff. And I notice that's what those things are for, cufflinks and the little buttons above. Okay, that's And I'm thinking. So I I, I take out the bag, and I kind of put it up to my shirt. Like, how did they get that? Terrified anybody would know what I'm doing. And uh, I see one of our teachers, and he comes up. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing, nothing. These things are so dumb. I don't even know why people put them on. And he looked at me with a broken heart. And I connected with him. I did. He's like, oh. And I'm like, but I mean, if we're supposed to wear them, I don't know if you want to, you know, if I'm supposed to do this or not. And he he takes them and he goes, I always thought they looked kind of dumb anyway. And he winked at me and he laughed. And I thought, whoa, that's cool. Like, A grown-up dude said, you look good, dude. Don't worry about it. You're all right. I got the connection that I was so badly wanting from a father figure by this teacher who said, you know what, I always thought they looked better without him. He made me feel important and valued. And I never, now I just realize I never forgot it. By the way, teachers, your job is far more than what you do in the classroom. I mean, yeah. When you are uh, chaperoning dances or proms, when you're out there in the playground, when you're, when you're sitting with a kid helping them out with something, it's, it means so much more. Trust me on that. And that's why that commercial meant so much to me. Because it meant more than just tying a tie. Friends, I know that there are people in your life that are hard to handle. Maybe in your own family, maybe your friends, maybe with somebody else. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are trying to connect in some way. It may be unhealthy, but we're all trying to connect with somebody, to bid. I want us to be a church that looks for these people. And I want us to make sure that we're doing what we can uh, to connect with each other. When somebody acts like they don't care like I did, they do. They do. When somebody acts like they don't need you in their life, they do. Look for somebody, they do. And so I want to encourage you this week, look for somebody that you can feed into. Look for somebody that you can make a difference in their life. God puts you in their life for a reason. What are you going to do with that opportunity? No matter how difficult they are, And all of you are smiling because you know of somebody right now. You're thinking, oh, yep, I know this person's difficult. But God puts you in their life for a reason. They may not respond to your bid to connect with them immediately. But years later, after that high school dance, I can't tell you how much that one connection meant to me. So uh, let's be a church that's constantly looking for that. Spend your time this week with eyes wide open to how you can make a difference. Let's pray, Father. I uh, I know there are people that are difficult in our lives, God. That we just want to ignore, we just want to pretend they don't exist. We want to pretend they don't, they're 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 not around, God. But Father, help us to see them the way you see them, God. Help us to open up our eyes to see what you want us to see. Father, help us to give those opportunities. A chance for a real connection. God, you've put people in our lives. We all have someone in our life right now that we could, we could look for what they're really doing, all the stuff that they're doing. We could look at it as a, it's a real need to bid to connect with someone, God. So help us to really see what that is. And God, help us to be a church that um, is constantly looking in our community for people that we could invest in, God. We want to be a church with real people. No phonies here, God. No people pretending. Father, we know you're alive. We know I'm no I know I'm not talking to myself. I know I'm not talking to my imagination. We know you're great. But Father, the reality is, and you know this, the reality is is that a lot of us forget that. And we're sad and we're depressed and we're hurt and we're confused. And we think nobody cares. And we think nobody's paying attention. And we think nobody likes us. And we think we're not smart enough or good looking enough or have enough money. And so we start to bid in unhealthy ways, God, that just prevents us from getting close to people instead of really connecting with people. So God, I pray right now that we can be a church of authentic people where we let our guard down, we take out all the nonsense, and we just be ourselves. And we allow each other to come alongside each other as we go through life, God. None of us should be on our own. So God, we thank you for this church and an opportunity that we could be real and authentic and honest